Thank you for downloading from Father's House City Ministries, Portland, Oregon. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Father's House City Ministries at www.fathershouseportland.org. He's made it so that the child can bring the kingdom of God wherever he is. And children are more equipped to do it because it's so simple for them. Mommy and Daddy told me that Jesus heals, so I'm going to go and pray for the person that's sick. It's just that simple. Thank you, everyone. Um, some of you we don't recognize. but we, So we wanted to just start out and say we are Tom and Dana... We are uh, parents of five children. We're at retirement age. We have seven grandkids, former business owners, and uh, nice to meet you. (laughs) And for the rest of you, it's so great to be here and to have an opportunity to share some stories of uh, how we presented our loaves and fishes Literally, we're just like you, but we have our set of loaves and fishes, and God is the great multiplier, isn't he? And so this is the stories. These are stories of how God multiplied. He gets the glory, all the honor, all the praise, and we're just grateful to be his vessel. So, Lord, do what only you can do. Blow on through. Prepare hearts for what you, your purposes in each heart. It's not about becoming us. It's becoming you in the world. And yet we also say, because we're old now, as Paul said, follow us as we follow Jesus. There are things you've given us, and we're grateful. We're so grateful. And Lord, multiply those as you are the great multiplier. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did you get a, like a title thing to put up there? Steve sent me an email for a title. I have no idea if it's right there. Yeah, I don't need it. That's it. Just leave it there. That's it. <laughs> End of the message. Just keep it simple. <laughs> I'm going to kind of just set the table a little bit, and then we're just going to share our experience, our stories, and, and leave a final message until we come back again. I think we're going to be back in May, um, because the summertime there is unparalleled opportunity for us to travel and do what we're called to do there. Um, there's a verse. Turn with me in your iPhones to 2 Corinthians <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, yeah, Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Paul says this, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds, that's what you think up here, will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. It is meant to be simple. 
Jesus' ministry wasn't established in the synagogues. It was established on the roads, in the houses, the leper colonies, where people gathered at the wells, the Samaritan woman. And his 12 followed behind him. And it was simple. It was extraordinary what he did when he healed a leper, when he spoke words to people completely out of the blue, supernatural words that nobody could have known when he performed the miracles. Um, That was extraordinary, but it was simple. It didn't require you coming into the house of the Lord and spending Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, part of Saturday, gathered together, hunkered down with other Christians, learning more and accumulating more knowledge so that you could be more equipped. And then in the end, never really do very much. He's made it so that the child can bring the kingdom of God wherever he is. And, and children are more equipped to do it because it's so simple for them. Mommy and daddy told me that Jesus heals, so I'm going to go and pray for the, the person that's sick. It's just that simple for a child. For us, it's more complex because we spent too much time in the four walls becoming equipped, overflowing with equipedness. And I'm not against equipedness because we're using the stuff we've been equipped in, in Armenia. But in the end, it's always simple what we do. So a couple things, I remember uh, the message that, that I spoke when we left was about uh, you know, why are we going? We're going to take the yoke of Jesus, and I explained what the, the yoke was. It had to do with discipleship in the Middle East. What a rabbi did, how a rabbi, how a person became a rabbi through about maybe 27 years of training, memorizing the whole Torah, coming under the, 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 uh, the instruction of other rabbis, very difficult thing. Jesus became, he was a rabbi, he was a teacher. And then he called, instead of going back to the rabbi school, to call all of these students that were learning and memorizing the Torah and the scriptures, he went instead to where the failed previous students were fishing, and he called them, the failed ones. Probably most of those guys went to rabbi school and flunked out, somewhere between six years old and 12 years old. So Jesus shows up and he calls them. He goes, you follow me. And, and when he said, follow me, there was no question. They knew who he was already. So we're called to discipleship. We're called to follow the master in the same way that those disciples followed Jesus in the New Testament. Just read the the four Gospels, what they did. They just walked behind him. It it was even, there was even a certain way that the rabbi walked, that they mimicked, they walked behind him, uh, and he kicked up dust on him. That was an honor, the whole thing. So you had, um, 
you had these guys being made disciples, and the, the whole idea of discipleship was when the discipler died, which he died and he rose, our, our discipler died and rose from the dead, um, sitting at the right hand of God. But when he left the earth, that those guys, those people that followed him, men and women, they would do greater works than him. So that's what everybody in here is not only just called to do, but you're able to do. And so this, this is the thing that Ty started preaching the message that we were going to bring. It's, it's about taking what you come here. This is the watering hole. This is a, a feeding hole. And then you go out with it. The most exciting thing for the church is what happens when we leave here. Because we are still Father's house. When you go to your house, when you go to work, wherever you go, when, when, when we go to Armenia, we're still Father's house. That's our identity. That's our family. But then we let Jesus use us to build his kingdom. So the, um, this is kind of the, the thing that I want to start with um, for our stories that we're going to tell that I've learned. What it, what's the greatest... And why isn't the church, why aren't God's people, what's holding us back? And I think I've, I've kind of narrowed it down to a simple statement that I think you can remember. If you don't remember anything else I say, you can remember this. Is my what if bigger than God? Look at that person there in line getting coffee. I noticed they're, it looks like they're in a little bit of pain. Oh, but people are gonna look at me and I'm gonna be, and, and what if they turn around and spit in my face? The what if. Think of how many what ifs and how conditioned we are to bow. What, what if I, if I, walk out and I, or I go in a store and I, my hand touches an elevator and a COVID jumps on my hand. What if? So the whole world's divided right now because of what if? What if the new virus comes and gets me? And I'm not saying don't respect normal, common wisdom. Like if somebody's coughing and hacking on you, get away from them, you know? <laughs> but that doesn't mean we can't obey what God's telling us to do. How am I going to lay hands on the sick if I can't get near them? So the what if is something that I think I have to, in our story, I have to say that she's the one that blazed the trail on this one. When I was busy closing out my years in the bakery, she was going off with Todd White and Robbie Dawkins on these crazy trips and coming back and and she'd tell me stories and I'm like, Whoa, and then I'd go out with her, and the next thing I know, she's talking with the person in line, or she's praying for somebody to be healed or giving them a word of knowledge. And I'm like, life's, life's changed. Life changed for us. And uh, on her last trip with Robbie Dawkins, she met some people that were living in Armenia. And then I met them, and it was like the convergence. This is it for us. And that's how we ended up over there. So, I mean, it began right away. As soon as we landed, 
and began going and shopping for our pots and pans and going to restaurants and the grocery stores, it began to happen. The simplicity, I saw the simplicity of what we were called to do and, and the, the effect that it had. People would say, what, why, why are you living here? And we go, yeah. This is a time right now because of the war where families want to get their kids out of Armenia because they're going to get drafted and be sent to a front line where, where drones, superior firepower and white phosphorus is going to fall on their kids. And so they want to get out and we want to get in. And they're like, who are you people and what? what? Why would you want to do this? Because we just, Jesus has us here. Pots and pans. So we're going to, yeah, I'm going to let her do the pots and pans. This, this was great. Well, people, uh, they don't have a very good um, image of themselves, their country. Their country is limited, and America is heaven on earth. So, of course, why would we leave it? And uh, we left it to love on it. But we uh, had to set up our apartment, and we didn't have any um, equipment for our kitchen. So we went into a kitchen store, and uh, they speak just enough English to make a sale, basically. But I just plowed ahead, and uh, you just pray for to be understood. And I showed him my, uh, a picture of Jesus with the heart, Jesus at the door, on my phone. And I said, have you ever heard of Jesus? And um, explained the gospel. And they hadn't heard it. Now, this is a Christian nation, but they've kind of lost the plot they're calling. It's very sad. So I showed him, I explained the gospel, and I said, would you like to receive Jesus? And they said, yes. So they prayed right there to receive Jesus. And uh, the one girl was so overcome, she just was out of her couldn't contain it in her body, how happy she was. The other one was a little subdued, but still, I go back to visit them, and they love me. They are always, I pray with them all the time. And so that was just a first opportunity to see fruit when we barely had our bearings, except we knew God. So that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, this is like constant for us when we're there. If, if we go to get a COVID test, we unleash on them. If we go to a restaurant, we unleash on them. It's just become simple. And, I, and we don't have to be afraid of the what if. And you guys know that the, those of you who have been here and you've heard me speak on Revelation 12 and it talks about how we overcome the accuser by the blood of the lamb, the word, our, word of our testimony is what we say and do. And we didn't, we're not, basically paraphrased is, we're not afraid of death. We're just not afraid of it. We're, we're done with it. We're done with death. The sting of death is gone for us. And what is death? Death is, I wonder if they're not gonna like us and they won't wanna be around us anymore if we tell them about Jesus. 
That's being afraid of death. That's being afraid of being separated from somebody you don't know. And God's saying, I can't, Jesus is saying, I can't be there right now. I put my spirit in you to be me to them. Just do it. Well, I don't have a word of knowledge. I don't have a, a prophetic word to give over them. Jesus is saying, I don't care if you don't have a prophetic word. I don't care. I love that person, and I want you to encounter them. We can't, and, and this, is, this is kind of the picture I had for this, this message. There's like this, this seat or this, this shrine here, and we, just some object, and we, we dance around it as Christians. It's like, oh, oh, I... There's a book I should read. There's a conference I should go to. I'll go, oh, there's, there's a prayer meeting. I should go to the prayer meeting. Oh, there's a, there's a great meeting over here. I should go to that. And individuals, people are just waiting. They're waiting to have an encounter with Jesus. We're not called to make Converts were called to make followers of Jesus. He'll make the converts out of them. If you display the hope, the beauty of Jesus to a person, they will be impacted for sure. I don't care if it's a Satanist. I don't care if it's uh, the leader of Turkey. If, if you bring them into an encounter with Jesus, they will be impacted by it. And we're not responsible after that. If God leads us into a relationship to explain things, yes, we are. So we're, right now our situation is that we're, we're bringing a whole bunch of stuff back to really, really settle in to Armenia. Another six suitcases full of stuff. I mean, geez. <clears throat> but we, we, are, we are settling in. And... Um, It's just about leading people into encounter. This doesn't just have to do with people who don't know Jesus. The church there lived under Soviet communism, was the people, the leaders were under Soviet communism for years and years. And the oppression and the spirit of it still weighs, weighs very heavily. You can, you can feel it so we're there to not condemn those people, but to have relationship with them. Our, our friend, um, Craig and Joyce, uh, Simonian, who we work with, they, um, he's friends with all of these apostolic Armenian church priests. They're like the Greek Orthodox of, of Armenia. And there's a lot of them that are open. There, there's an emptiness. There's a, a crying out for hope. And they're open to talking about Jesus, the, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, things like that. So we're called to bring identity to the church, to Christians. It's like, do you really know who you are? Do you really know what this ecclesia thing is? Do you know what you're carrying to bring that? But then to bring to the individual people that they're sons and daughters. So. Do like yeah, do Savon. So uh, we, about a month in, we went on a retreat to a beautiful lake, which is the only really, really significant body of water. Armenia is landlocked. 
So I really miss the ocean and the rivers and all that. So, but anyway, we went to the lake and it was a leadership retreat with some uh, new friends who are now dear friends. And we, one day we got up, took a walk down and we're in a village and it's our real village. village. It's like village from the old country village, you know. Uh, There's nothing like it that I know of in the States per se. So uh, we see a house being built, and to me that just says, come, come to me now and scope it out, because I love all that stuff. So I go up there, and I lead the whole group. They're following me, and then one of them, we see the construction workers, and they say, do you want to come in? We're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they show us two rooms of the downstairs, and we're walking through the hall, and um, we start sharing the gospel, and one of our uh, friends says, Dana, why don't you share a word? And I'm like, okay. I just said yes, right? For construction workers, guys. Yeah, here I am. I mean, you know, the Westerner with the Eastern construction workers thinking, I said yes, but... I don't have anything planned, nothing on my iPhone to check my notes. And I just opened my mouth and shared the gospel. And along with, it was translated, praise God. And so basically I had that opportunity and then our translator, who's our friend, closed it. And I think we had five receive the Lord that day. And we were over the moon. But we kept walking down the lane. Uh, The police came out, who are you? And gave us some hassle, because we weren't wearing masks. And we were the only ones on the street, which is a road. But whatever. Then we carry on. We come to this house, and in the house there's tables of dried fruit drying and flowers and there's a spot of beauty and culture right there in the middle of nothing and I'm staring through the fence and then somebody comes out and we end up being invited into the house so I go in go into the kitchen with the ladies start talking. Nobody really knows English that much. You know, it's just one of those things. A lot of smiling, a lot of, you know, whatever's, hand gestures. Um, Finally, uh, so we got all together to have coffee and tea because they're very hospitable. And uh, we're sitting there and our friend starts translating. We start sharing the gospel. And again, uh, one of them says, Dana, why don't you no, no, on that one, actually, I had a prophetic word for one of the men, which I have no idea if this is culturally acceptable, but I had a prophetic word. So I lay my, I get up, and I have my translator, and boom, he was so slammed, it just so happened to be accurate, and he was so slammed, and I think three or four of them received the Lord that, that moment. I mean, at that that situation so then later we're eating you know we ended up returning and going back we went and had dinner and two of the guys show up and who got saved 
And they're just talking about how much it meant to them. And they're just full, like overflowing with the Holy Spirit. They were so full of joy. And it was so cool. Yep, so... Keep it simple. Guys, I'm, I'm serious. You can't, you can dance around engaging people, but you'll never extend the kingdom of God unless you engage people. And the more you do it, the more fun it becomes and the less fearful and the, and the what ifs begin to fade off and it begins to be a lifestyle. Right, brother? It becomes a lifestyle. They're not afraid. It's like, hey, this is like, it becomes candy land to you. You walk in a place and it's like the grocery store is candy land. You can go in and engage people and literally, I don't think, I don't, we hardly ever have a negative response. Like, no, we don't wanna, no, absolutely not we don't. It's, they're just, and even like even with the believers, there's um, a young girl who um, this was right before we came back. She had lost she, 18 years old. She lost four of her friends in the war. These are these are boys that she played with growing up. And the the hope was out of her eyes. The gleam was gone. It's like I'm depressed. I can't sleep. Will you pray for me? Absolutely, we'll pray for you. We're not gonna tolerate the garbage, the spirit that's on you right now. Prayed, prayed over for five, maybe five minutes, and she looks back up at us in the tear, and the gleam's back in her eye, and she's happy. We can do that. We can do that for other believers that have lost their way. What's the biggest thing happening in the church? What's the enemy there to rob right now? Hope. Hope. If you don't have hope in the equation, you can't have faith. You cannot live a life of faith without hope. And hope is something that's out there beyond where you are right now that you're looking at and you go, I'm gonna get to that. That's mine. I'm gonna get to that. But in the way, I'm gonna do what he's asking me to do even though I don't feel like it. And that's what a lot of what we're involved in is I learned to say no to I don't feel like it, both of us. It's like, would it be nice to stay in our house with our garden and our fruit trees? Yeah, but now because of the choices that we've made, and it's a number of choices over a number of years, it's like, that's boring. That's boring now. We have the Turkish army, an hour and a half away from us, about 20,000 troops on the border. We have the Azerbaijani army on the east side, all the way along Armenia. We have Iran on the southern border with about 20,000 troops there, and they're mad at Turkey and Azerbaijan. We have Russian troops that are in the southern central part of Armenia with tanks and weapons, and they have a huge munitions uh, supply area up in the north, and we're going back there. 
what do we have to be afraid of? What can they do? They can shoot us, and then I'm going to appear in front of Jesus, and it's all going to be over. And then God will multiply a hundred times what we could have done because our blood was shed for him. We've got to get into that mentality in these times. This is no longer a philosophical war. This is the spirit of Antichrist. It's all it is. There's Antichrist Democrats and there's Antichrist Republicans and there's Antichrist spirited uh, libertarians. I don't, it, it doesn't, forget all that stuff. If they don't love Jesus, if they don't, if they're not given over to bring in heaven to earth, then make sure that they get the information that they need on how to do that. Yeah. How can they be changed? How can they have hope? Yeah. And that's all that's going on over there. We have Soviet communism, we have corrupt governments all around us, and we have people that are living there that just wanna have hope. And we have it, we're carrying it in us. She put her hand out. Yeah, because I, I, I don't know how much time we have. I want to share one more story, personal, personal story. In, this, in the theme of pre-disciple, so the people we meet that we see on an ongoing basis, we just consider them pre... We're discipling them, but they're not believers in the regular sense of... They're not converts to Jesus, but they are our disciples because we speak into them and they receive from us. So at another store, after we got there and we're setting up house, I met this salesman and he has entrepreneur leader all over him. And he's trying to learn English. So his English was actually pretty good. He's in a store that's more international. And so his English was better. So I'm looking at, I go into this store that is design heaven. I'm like, how does this thing exist here? Because the quality of design is so high, and I love that stuff. So I'm moseying around, and we're talking. He's showing me these products, and I'm looking at the prices, and I'm thinking, wow, our dollar goes really far here. This is awesome, because normally this would be luxury, but this is pretty cheap. So I collect a group of products, and the total of that comes out to be $134, and I'm just so happy. So I bought gifts. I bought things for the house. I'm just liking it. So um, I go to pay, and we're buddies, kind of, you know? and go to pay, and my, the card gets declined, and I'm like, why? You know, that's weird. So I give him another card. No, first he runs that card twice. Nope, declined. Run the next card, declined, and then the third card goes through. I'm like, okay, great. So I get a text from Tom. Dana, Dana, did you buy something for $1,340? <laughs> And I said, no, I didn't. But he was having trouble with the cards. So he obviously made a mistake. So he comes, comes over. So he delivers, right? Right to our apartment. So I'm like, this is cool, like delivery service, the whole 10 yards. I'm like, by the way, you made a, you made a mistake. Um, you punched in some wrong numbers. And he's like, no, I didn't. 
I'm like, yes, you did. And he's, no, I didn't. And I'm looking and I'm like, I literally, my heart dropped to my feet. And I thought, oh my gosh, I just spent $1,340, not $134. And he ran it twice, so that's $2,680, right? Is that the right math? I'm like, I said, well, uh, you're going to have to give me a refund. And he's like, what? And I realized through the course of this now trial, from being at the mountaintop down to the bottom of the valley trial, that it was shame to him to have, for me to return the items. It turned into a fiasco, and all the time I'm thinking, wait a minute, I was innocent. I didn't know. I'm new to the country. I didn't mean to do this, but my identity was getting battered, really. And I'm watching him, and he's describing to me, I have to go to my boss. How am I going to explain it to my boss? Who has to explain it to the, the, um, the, brand, the brand heads in Russia? I'm like, what? He says, I can't do that. And he's telling me what a shame. And I'm crying. And he's like, don't cry. And it just, it turns into a big drama with the result that they did refund our money. But man, did we, I, I just, I had a big culture shock lesson from that. But the guy, I was like, there's something here with him. So we kept in contact, this and that. He started a foundation to help the poor four children in Armenia, his own vision before the war, his own vision. And he's 20, 20 years old, which I thought he was like 30. He's 20. And so we're just over time, nothing really super um, like uh, consistent. But here and there, I shoot a text. He comments on my Instagram, whatever. And then finally... uh, we con- I contact him again, and that ends up that we have lunch with him, and I always knew I was going to share the gospel with him, but I didn't know how it would play out. And finally, we had lunch with him, and we gave him a donation, um, and he helped us with some products that we were looking at, and then I, we started talking about Jesus, and he's like, well, all, religion, all religions lead to God. And I went right after that, and he's like, I never knew that. I'm going to research that. The guy, he's, he's going to be a leader of something someday, either a business head or a government head or something. And we're still in a relationship. He doesn't work at that place anymore. But that, I wanted to share that out of my total failure... It was a failure on my part. I totally didn't um, convert the money correctly. It was on me. God still gets the glory, and he's going to get that man. He's going to follow Jesus. So, Well, I'm going to conclude the time I'm watching. Ty didn't have to do that to me. Um, Just going to give you an idea. So what are we doing there now? We We are... these are the, the pragmatic things. We're connected with an intercessors network there, um, gal that leads the Women's Aglow in, uh, 
in Armenia, and she has over 100 solid contacts, prophetic. These, it's a network. These, these people pray to live. They breathe prayer. It's like if you get in a room with them and you're bored with prayer, you're going to be bored because that's all they live to do is pray. And there's some things that, that, that we're bringing that she's like, they were part of the, uh, the event that we had at the, the location where the king declared Armenia a Christian nation in 301 AD. We, we held a prophetic uh, court of heaven event there. She was part of that. So they're very open to what we bring. So we're involved with that group. We're involved with our friends that are planning churches with these radical kids um, down on the southern border of Iran. Uh, we have some local uh, friends from our church over in, uh, in Vancouver, where we were at, that are planning a church there, an Iranian church. We're connected with them. We're going to be involved with them in that church planning uh, thing. We're involved with, um, there's a, a mission school there we're kind of loosely involved with. We're just involved in all these different places where we're just sowing. And it's YWAM is invited us. So we're going to be doing the, their, one of their DTS schools. We're going to be teaching at that in the, in the spring. So the doors are open for us. We're going to be extremely busy in a good way. And we are, just remember this, that what we are Father's House family in Armenia. This little group here of 100 or so people is affecting the world. We wouldn't be there apart from when the leadership here took us in. And I gotta be honest with you, I've had some problems in, in other churches with my viewpoints on spiritual warfare and you know prayer and so on and so forth. I met Steve, he goes, that's what I believe. That's what I believe, that's what I believe. And so we were brought in here, we were nurtured, we were received and, and sent out just remember that we are there, we're representing you guys, and there will be room made for people to come over if you wanna get trained in any kind of cross-cultural uh, evangelism with a bunch of radical people. We'll receive you. Thank you for downloading from Father's House City Ministries, Portland, Oregon. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Father's House City Ministries at www.fathershouseportland.org.